As you make it back to your seats, we'll continue on with our service today. Um, so uh, it's good to look out there and see a number of you that are wearing your jerseys. And some of you, you were confused and you didn't know what to wear today because it's also Valentine's Day. And so what are you going to do? Red for, see, you're clapping for Valentine's Day. Yeah, you guys are the pink and the red and all of that. Um, and so I, I guess, uh, you know, Jenny up here with the red, with the Chiefs, I guess she got both, the best of both worlds. Um, some of you are like me. You're wearing your jersey out of just loyalty and shame for your team (laughs) this hasn't done well in a very very long time but I'm I'm glad that you guys are here today Uh, today one of the interesting things today is is that we have somewhere around oh 50 or so of our of our uh, teenagers that are actually away on a retreat over the weekend Um, my son he's he's been away Uh, Josh and and the leaders of the youth group they're away they're probably going to be on their way back here in the next hour or so uh, to, to come back. So we're missing a lot of our teenagers that are here, and, and I imagine that some of the parents, they're going to be coming under the second service, uh, ready to pick up the kids. But, but that's, that's one of those things that we support here, is just trying to build into people. Um, you know, Tad was up here talking about the things that we do, and, and, and the most important thing that we have in life is other than our relationship with God, it is a relationship with other people and, and building into others and caring about others. And so that's really what we are all about here. This is why I stand up here or I sit on my stool here. Um, and, and every week I, I say my, my goal really is just simply to try to inspire you to follow Jesus. There's nothing better that you could do with your life or with your heart than, than to simply see what Jesus has done for you and to respond in a way where you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I just want to, I, I, I want you to have your way in my life. And what he will do is he will use you in the lives of other people. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are about Christianity. Some of you may come from a, a background where Christianity was sort of church and do's and don'ts and a list and all of that. Let me just let me just see if we can just wipe that out. That's really not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about growing in your relationship with with God and letting him have his way in your life. Letting him impact you in ways where you have a purpose that you never had before. Where, where you experience joy in life in places where you would never have experienced it before. See, that's, that's what it's all about. And, and so that's why, that's why we're here. This is why we've been doing this series. Uh, we, we kind of joke about it. I've, I've, you know, we've been going through the book of Romans now for a long time. Um, this is number 30 in our series of the walk. That means that from Romans chapter 12 all the way to chapter 16, there have been 30 messages uh, about this. That doesn't even include everything before that. Okay, so, but we're here talking about what it means to walk with God. Because that's the most important thing in life. Because one day, uh, well, like Jenny mentioned, you know, she mentioned about her, her mom. She mentioned about uh, Pearl Webb and her funeral on, on Saturday. One day we all stand before the Lord. And, and the Lord's going to say, hey, why didn't you let me use you in this way? Or, or, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for letting me use you in such a way because you impacted other people. Well, that's what we're all about here, is just trying to grow and following who Jesus is. And, and I sure hope that as you're here today, that we can help you with whatever it is on your spiritual journey. You're in it. Ryan was saying we're all in different places. We're all going through different things. But I hope that today maybe we can help you with whatever your next step is on that spiritual journey. So, um, hey, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Romans chapter 16. We are near the very end of the book. Uh, just a little bit yet to go. And I want to talk about really, you know, there's one overarching theme today. Um, when I was a boy. Um, my, my parents took us, took my, my brother, my brother Greg and I, mom and dad, we would go from Dillon, Colorado, we would drive to Paradise, California, uh, usually twice a year. Uh, we go there in the winter for Christmas time. My dad had, you know, to vacation then and we go in the summer as well. But I remember early on going to grandma and grandpa's house in Paradise, California. And um, it, there, it was a very wooded area, uh, wooded, and my grandma had like a, a garden out back with some things, but there was lots of trees and, and sort of like 
lots of territory. And I remember them telling us as little boys saying, listen, we'll let you go out into the backyard, into the woods and everything, but you've got to be careful because there are some dangerous things out there. Uh, there, there, there are holes that people dug. There, there used to be miners here that, that lived in the area that were mining for gold. And there were trappers. And, you know, there, there are things that they have left behind. There, there could be traps that are, you know, that, that have not yet sprung. And so you've got to be careful if you're going to go out into the backyard. And, and my, to my brother and I, our imagination started running wild. Miners for gold, trappers, and so we. Didn't, I mean, you, you know, you think that you're warning kids. No, what they were doing, what she was doing for us, is giving us an invitation. And and so I remember going out there. We found all kinds of stuff, and then one day we found this animal trap. It looked a little bit like this. We had no idea what to do with it. You know, we had a stake in, to put in the ground, and we're trying to figure out how to do it. We can't figure it out. And eventually, we were moving it around, and we thought, hey, I know what we'll do. We'll set it up. We'll put the stake in the ground. We'll sit up, and maybe we'll trap an animal. And then we walked away, and, and then we came back the next day. Of course, it didn't catch anything because there was no bait. The trap wasn't even set. I mean, you know, we, we were kids. Finally, if I remember right, I think we showed it to my dad. He worked it back and forth and moved it around. And we were just like, whoa. And he, he got it opened up and everything. It was really cool. And, and I, don't, I don't remember if this is the trap or not, but I think that we took a stick. And when we stuck it in there, and when we did, it goes like, and, it, and it just pulverized the stick. And my brother and I were like, oh, that's just so cool. And we were afraid. Like, we were like, whoa, is it, is it safe to touch? Is, any of you have that issue with mouse traps? Like, you're like, is it safe? You know, like, my family, they hate mouse traps. They always bring it to me. I've always had this thing like, oh, cool, you know, put it together and whatever. Well, listen, today I want to talk to you about traps. I just want to talk to you about traps. I want to talk about tripwires, the things that we encounter specifically in the church. And, and I was thinking about it could have gone one of two ways. I'm kind of going kind of a generalization, but I'm talking really about the church as a whole today because that's really what the Apostle Paul was um, writing to. He had spent some time greeting all sorts of people that were in Rome. And he says, greet this person, greet this person. Oh, I, I love them so much. They are beloved by me. And he's got this long list of people that he greets. And then he says this, and he gives a warning to the Roman church as a congregation. And, and it also goes to us as a congregation. And this is in Romans sixteen seventeen, And he says this, now I urge you brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine, the the teaching that you have been taught and, and avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive this is the third time in, in the letter here, this book of Romans, that Paul has urged. Um, early on in chapter 12, uh, some of the older versions might say, um, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a sacrifice that's alive and holy and acceptable to God. It, to, to beseech or to urge here, this word means, I love you so much, I wish you would. That, that's what it means to, to urge. And so he's, he's urging us. He urged us earlier. Would you pray for me that I would be able to take the message of Jesus all the way to Spain? Because I'm really trying to do that. And I just urge you to pray with me about this. Well, here he, he urges us about people, how we respond to people who cause divisions and create obstacles. And, and my question is, well, what do you do? With a, with a person who like this, a person who does this, and by the way, this is not um, this is not a person who's like a non-Christian who's coming in and and they like they may like come in and they they don't believe the scriptures because well they're they're not a follower of Christ and they're you know it's not he's not talking about that saying you know oh somebody who doesn't necessarily believe everything would believe but this is a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus, but. What they do is they cause divisions in the church. They, they contradict the, the teachings of Scripture. That can go a couple of ways. One's the, the doctrines, like who Jesus is, who God is, and all that. The other way that it contradicts go against the teaching is this is how you want to live and treat one another. And they're like, well, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm going to live my, my own way. And they cause the divisions. Um, there will be people who claim to be followers of Christ, claim that they love God, but they're going to deny the truths, deny the truths that Paul taught here in the book of Romans, because he says, listen, you know, they bring stuff that is contrary to the, to the doctrine you have been taught. That's what he's saying. What I wrote in this letter, they're going to go against that. And there are going to be people who do this. We know that the word of God is going to be challenged within the church. Paul said to the elders in the church of Ephesus in, in the book of Acts, he said, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought, bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, now the spirit expressly says that in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And he wrote to Timothy a second time and said, for for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and they'll be turned aside to fables. And in the 2,000 years or so that that the church has has existed, this has happened. Jesus said, stumbling blocks are are inevitable, but woe to the man from from which they come. That that God is going to judge that person who who does this. From, From the very beginning, there's been a lie in opposition to the truth. You know that most of the New Testament epistles... Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, all of these books, okay? Most of them were written in responses to error. Somehow errors who, that have crept into the church. In fact, as soon as the gospel was established, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. From the moment that that was established, there were men who took a bribe, To say, Jesus really didn't rise again. The disciples came and stole their body. So, or stole his body. So from the get-go, you've got something that is contradicting, going against the the clear teaching, the, the truth of what God has told us. And we see this. This has happened throughout the history of the church. You go back for 2,000 years, uh, Christ's deity has been denied at periods of times. His humanity was denied. The doctrine of sin and, and depravity within humans, that was denied. Oh, we're really not all that bad of people. There's been attacks on the Bible, on it, and it's inerrancy that it is, comes from God. There have been attacks on the deity of the Holy Spirit and His personhood where they said, Oh, it, Holy Spirit isn't really a person, it's not really God, it's just God's power or something like that. There have been attacks on the sufficiency of, of Jesus' work and atonement that, that he really, uh, you know, we sing a song, an old hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Well, no, what they would say is, no, Jesus paid some of it, but the rest is for you to pay. Um, there, there are teachings that, oh, you've got to have certain evidences and an achievement and a second blessing in order to prove that you're a Christian. Um, the time of the, the Reformation, faith alone was denied. That was the calling card saying, listen, it's by faith alone, by, by grace alone, or by grace alone, through faith alone, that a person can be saved. And instead, people were teaching that, no, the way that, that you are saved from your sins and that you receive salvation is by how good you are and by your performance. The, the, over time, churches began to um, redefine the gospel, the good news, is uh, instead of Instead of the means of having a right relationship with God, it became sort of like, well, this is sort of a, a social good to help society. That's really all that it is. It's just a social good, and this is just what you do. Um, the biblical morality of right and wrong, that has been denied. It's been challenged constantly. Today, we see there's a denial that, that God created people as male and as female in His image, and that's a constant denial that we, we face today. You know, part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that means that you're growing, 
That means that you're taking next steps, that you're on a walk, you're, you're walking with God. It's like Ephesians said, Ephesians 4, Paul wrote this. He says that, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, not going this way, then going this way and going this way, tossed everywhere. He says, I don't want you to do this and I don't want you to listen to the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but be speaking the truth in love that you may grow up into all things into him who is the head, who is Christ. He wants us to be mature. Um, Paul wrote to, to Timothy in Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.15, he says that the church, not just our church, but the, the church everywhere where, where believers are, it's the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And if followers of Christ have been bought by the blood of Christ, if we are his bride... Well, what are we to do in all this? And in this passage, Paul gives us three things that he wants us to do. So for those of you who are note takers, here you go. This is the outline of of the passage of what Paul says. There are three things that we need to do. He says, now I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division. Watch out. That's this Greek word, skopeo. It's where we get our word scope. Telescope, microscope. I want you to watch and, and that you, you mark it out. Because that's what you do when you've got your binoculars. You're, you're looking, 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 and there you found it. And there you are. You've marked that out. He says, I want you to mark those that cause decisions and create obstacles. And, and, and then he says, that he, he says uh, I want you to avoid them. That's the second thing. Stay away from them. And the third thing we'll see in verse 19. He says, I want you really to grow up in discernment. I want you to be able to discern things right and wrong and all of this. So, so let, let's talk about the very first thing. He says, mark out those, first of all, who cause division. Um, those who are trying to cause divisions within the church. You remember that old adage, divide and conquer, right? Um, divide because then you can conquer much easier. Um, divisiveness here this same word is on the list of things when the apostle paul wrote uh, to the church of galatia he said listen you can live either by the fruit of the spirit and that's contrary to the works of the flesh and one of the works of the flesh is is divisiveness that's one of the things that in my flesh and in your flesh that it wants to kind of divide people and, and make them align with you that, that's the way it works most of the time. It's not just enough to divide people. It's that I want people on my side. I want to do what I can to influence people and make them follow me, listen to my ideas, all, all of this. And he says, mark those people. Um, Titus, uh, Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 3 where it says, reject a divisive person after one or two warnings. You know that such a person is twisted by sin and is conscious of it himself. He, Paul doesn't give much slack. <laughs> you know, we, we've said, you know, the three strikes you're out kind of baseball kind of thing. Paul, he says, re- reject a divisive person after even one or two warnings. Just, he just said, I, I don't want to tolerate. We're not going to tolerate divisiveness. And I think about d- division, and it doesn't really always have to do with, like, um, what I think of doctrine. It does sometimes. Uh, one of the things I, I mentioned was all these different doctrines, these truths about the church. But it doesn't always have to do with it. But what it has to do with is separating people one from another. Um, you know, I, I, my wife and I have talked about our children and how sometimes when growing up, our child, one of our children would come to one of us and ask a question. Dad, can I... Right? And then if I say no, what the child would do... Is go to mom and say, Mom, can I da 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 da, right? And so now if mom says says yes, then what do we have? We've got a division. And see, here's the thing that they that they found out that if they did that and they went to one and then they went to the other and they they caused a division, that their tans their 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 hides became tan almost immediately. You guys know what I mean by that. (laughs) That that was not tolerated. You, you are not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to divide. And, and this, Paul, Paul says this, deliberately causing distrust, causing suspicion. You know, 
I, I see areas that, that I have done that. And I have to go back and I have to repent of this. Like, why, why do I do that? Why am I like this? Why do I do that? You know, it happens with, um, with rumors. It happens in gossip. It happens just um, when, when sin happens and then w- what we do is we don't forgive. Somebody does something wrong to me and therefore I feel I have the right to not forgive that person. Because it was just so bad. I mean, what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough to pay for what they did to me. That's the attitude. And yet we are called to forgive one another, but having unforgiveness. Divisions happen when we, when we choose to do our own thing rather than to love one another as Christ loved us. If we could just get that one thing, to love one another as Jesus Christ loved us, I mean, we would be so much better off. Proverbs 6.19 tells us that there, were, there are six things God hates, seven things that are an abomination. And he lists the seventh thing as one who sows discord among the brethren. See, this is how Satan furthers his cause. It's, it's like adding fuel to the fire. Whenever there's friction, whenever there's discord, he's like, yeah, let's, let's, let's build that up, right? That's what he does. And what we're supposed to do is to scope out. We're supposed to look and see those people who are sowing that are trying to. That's, it's not that they do that, okay? Because you can do that and it can be wrong and be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's, 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 it's that thing where you say that person is purposefully trying to sow seeds of discord. That's the reason why they're there. That's the reason why they're, they're involved. That's a very different thing, and we're to scope out people who do that. And, and next he says, I want you to scope out, I want you to look for those people who create obstacles. And this is where today I'm going to bring back the old, the Greek word of the day. All right? So this is the Greek word of the day. The Greek word of the day is scandalon. I want everybody to say that, please. Scandalon. Yeah, you can guess what word we get from that, right? The, the whole idea of a scandal. There's a scandal in the White House and it, it, it defamed somebody that was in the White House. There's a scandal in a company, right? And, and, it, and it actually tripped up a number of people and brought uh, disgrace to them. But, but the idea of a, of a scandal on this word, it's the word create obstacles here. That, that's what it's translated in the Greek. They're doing their best to try to get this whole idea behind the, the word. But a scandal on is an impediment that's placed in the way causing somebody to stumble or fall. It's something that's put in your way, causing you to stumble and fall. Uh, metaphorically, it's any person or thing by which one is drawn into error or drawn into sin. So it's not just a literal block that you trip over and fall on the ground. All right? Like, you, you know, when you're on, a kid on the school bus or whatever, somebody's walking, you kind of you know, do one of those things, and then they fall. <laughs> that's a scandal on. But what's even worse is when you say something, you do something, you cause them to fall into sin. You cause them to fall in their faith. Uh, one of the ways that this works is, is just very simple. Um, hey, did you know? Did you know that so and so was caught doing this? Did you hear what so and so said about? So did you ever hear that? Oh, well, and, and, and then all of a sudden the, the, there's the bait. And you're like, no, well, what did they say? <laughs> you kind of walk in, right into that one. Well, what did they do? Well, let me tell you. And, and now you've taken the bait. This is, this is kind of how it works. See, literally, the scandalon is, is the movable trigger, or it's the movable stick. It's the bait stick that moves in the trigger and the trap. So, like... Mousetrap. You guys understand there's a scandalon on the mousetrap. Now, I want to show you a video. I've shown this before, and, and I just got to be honest. Um, I, when I, I talk to my son about it, he said, Oh, yeah, I remember that video, Dad. That's the one that made Abby cry. <sighs> Trust me, there's a good ending to this, okay? So I want to show you this. I want to watch this video, and then we're going to talk some, some more about this idea of a scandalon. Go ahead and show the video for us. Yeah, so I guess the, the message of the uh, commercial there is if you eat this cheddar cheese, you don't have to worry about the traps, right? 
So, all right, I just, I just did that. It was kind of fun, but it also kind of shows you how the mouse trap works with the trigger. Um, you've got to have the bait that is attracting, right? But the, you see the whole workings of the trap. Jesus, he used the same term, scandalon, in something he said in Mark 9.42. He says, and whoever causes one of these little ones who believes to stumble, that's the word, scandalon, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone hung around his neck and he had been cast into the sea. So the idea of what he's telling us is a person who lays a trap or trips another person up in their faith. That is a very serious thing. So what's the best way for a mouse to not get caught into a trap? I mean, the, the, very, the, very, the most easy way is just simple. Stay away. Just stay, stay out of my house, mouse, if you don't want to get caught in a trap, right? Because I have mouse traps with peanut butter on them and, and all of that. Well, so, so what, is, what does Paul give us as the answer? What does he tell us? He says, well, stay away from them. These are people who are setting traps. They're, they're causing scandal on. Stay away from them. Avoid them. He says, when you encounter a person who's causing division and disunity, and I'm not just, I'm not, I, I want to be careful. I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit. But a person who is making it difficult to grow in understanding what is taught, making it difficult in, in how we ought to live rightly before the Lord. We're, co- we're basically called to, to mark the people, mark anybody who does this, scope them out, mark them and, and avoid them continuously. The Greek word, it's, it's avoid them. You know, this is a continuous thing. So literally that says deviate. From them, you're to successfully do with them what the Titanic did not do with the iceberg. Deviate, get off course of that. Now, let me just say something. He, he's not saying to Christians. He's not saying stay away from non-Christians. This is not what he's saying. We, we've got many non-Christians who come to our services who they come from an irreligious background. Maybe they, somebody invited them and they're coming. They want to hear and they want to learn what, what is Christianity really about? Let's, let's try to figure out, well, what does scripture say? And, and listen, this is welcomed here in our congregation. I, I, I hope that everybody could feel comfortable to say, I, I'm, I would be gr- glad to bring a co-worker. But I want people to know that this is a place that is safe to learn what God says, whether they believe it or not at the time. All right, that they could come and they could hear the word of God. And in fact, if, if this was you today, I would just welcome you and say, I would, I would love to just sit down and talk with you and hear about where you are in your spiritual journey and just talk with you about some of the things that, that I've encountered in my own life, right? But, but see, we're not being warned away uh, from people who are non-Christians. In fact, people who are checking out, we, we welcome that. The warning is for people who are um, coming in with the purpose of causing problems. The purpose of dividing, the purpose of hurting people, their agenda is, I want to get you to change course and follow what I have to say. I want to get people to change course. I want, to, want them to follow me. They claim to be servants of Christ, but they're obviously not because they're servants of, of themselves. They go against everything that was clearly taught in Scripture. Um, by the way, I would, I would just say this. I, I, you know, I've been here for, I guess, 18 years or so. And we've not had really many issues with this in, in our church. And one, one of the reasons I would say, I, I think this, maybe it's not, but I think this is one of the reasons why. is When we approach the scripture, we do, we do teach topically from time to time. But for the most part, we teach expositorily. What that means is, is simply we're going to go through the entirety of the scriptures. We're going to try to expose what it says throughout so this is why you've got a series that lasts as long as it does called The Walk, where we are on number, number 30. But we've gone through entire books of Scripture like Romans, like John, like James, like Philippians, like, you know, Song of Solomon. We go through, we just try to say this is the, the whole thing. And when you do that, what you're basically doing is you're fertilizing the ground. If you teach topically, if a pastor teaches only topically, there's this topic he wants to hit, this topic he wants to hit. But there are certain areas where he's just not going to hit at times. But as you go through the whole of Scripture, what you find is, is that with every book of Scripture, it, it deals with all areas of theology. And so you can take these truths, you can apply them to your lives as, as, you, as you walk away, and you can understand how you stand for, for the truth. Now, um, 
by the way, there, there are people who come here and they're part of Grace Point and, and they have, um, they have some different doctrinal convictions. That's, that's not a problem. Um, there are many people who they, they have differences on, on lesser issues. And so like what they understand about baptism and, and things like that, maybe might be uh, they, they, they grew up and when they were young, they were, you know, sprinkled or, or something like that. Or, or maybe something to do with the end times. You know, they would view something a little bit different. But see, here's the thing. They, they come and they have class. They're not trying to persuade everybody, you know, oh, you're wrong and my way is right. The question is, um, are they trying to proselytize? Is it causing division? And see, there are people who come and say, well, I don't necessarily believe this right here. But see, they've got class and they, they know that this is what this is where we stand, what we teach. And, and are they coming to learn? Or are they coming to cause division? Because if they're coming to cause division, you've got to deal with it quickly. You can't let it breed. And so for people who are out to kind of infect the church or to hurt the church, um, we're called simply to avoid them. This is what it says. The, the idea, some translation even say shun. That means that you're actively like, we're not going to, we're not going to deal with this. We're not going to give you a platform to speak. We're not going to, we're not going to be listening to you. We're going to avoid you because we see what you're doing. We're not going to give a place to speak into my life, which, which is really interesting because only, um, one verse earlier in verse 16, Right after Paul greeted everybody and, and told them how much he, he loved them and, and everything in Rome, he said, greet one another with a holy kiss. So he says, greet one another with a holy kiss, meaning hold close to one another, receive one another, be close, be a close part of, of one another. And then one verse later, he warns, he says, but turn away from the people who have departed from the truth who caused divisions. So see, he's, he's being very specific. He wants us as a church, be close and integrated well with one another. But if somebody comes in and they're specifically trying to cause um, divisions and create a scandal on, he says, you turn away, you turn away. And he tells us the reason why in verse 18, he says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the heart's of the naive. So first thing he says is they're, they're not a doulos of Christ. They're not a servant. They're not a slave of Christ. They're not coming to church to, to serve God. They're coming to divide it, to make people stumble. And at their heart, they're basically idolaters. Because they're not serving God. They're serving, they're serving themselves, their own ego, their own appetite. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. It's interesting uh, you talk to kids about, you know, people and, and kids have this thing in their mind that they think that they could see and they could tell what evil is because you can tell in the cartoons who the evil guys are and you can tell in the movies who the bad guys are by how they look. But see, here's the thing. People who come in like this, they don't have like a 666 tattooed on their forehead. They look like Dracula. <laughs> no, they're smooth talking. It sounds good. They, they, they say things like, oh, wow, they, they disguise their fleshly ambitions. And this is this is how they set the trap. You know, so, so it's interesting. It's, it's kind of like Absalom. Absalom was David's son and he caused divisions within the kingdom. He, he caused a problem, but he would sit at the gate and what he would say to the people at the gate, he would say, oh, if only I were a judge. I would give you justice if, if, if it's just too bad that the king, he doesn't listen to problems like this. If I were a judge, if I were the king, I would be able to hear what you're doing. I'd be able to help you. It's too bad that, that this happens this way. Oh, I wish I was able to help. And he would say things like that. And he said he won the heart of the, of the people over to him. Um, but, but what scripture is saying, when you reckon, reckon, when you recognize someone doing this, you can't tolerate that you don't tolerate it you you avoid them which is very it's contrary to what we hear today i mean the consistent teaching around us from our world basically is this that everyone and every belief should be accepted because everyone and every every belief is valid and, and to that i just say come on 
you wouldn't tolerate dog poop in your chocolate chip cookies. So why in the world is it, would you say it's okay to tolerate deception and, and lies when it comes to hearing what's good and true? See, this is where there's a battle being fought in our culture around us. I mean, we, we see it, for example, like we see it in our libraries. And the reason why it's in, in the libraries is, is because what it's doing is it's trying to reach out to the people who ha- they don't have discernment yet. This is why Paul says the next thing that he wants us to do is he wants us to develop discernment. And, and so you can't allow people to come in and harm those who are younger in the faith and they haven't been trained to discern good and evil. So, so this is why Paul says, listen, you watch for it and, and you, you shun those that do that. And the third thing he says is, is that you've got to grow in discernment. It's not just good to do that, but you, you, he says, for, for your obedience is known to all. So that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent as to what is evil. You know, the church in Rome, they're they're known for their obedience, but he's like, I don't I just don't want you to have a blind obedience. You need to be able to judge. You need to be able to have wisdom discerning what's good, staying away from evil. Do you think that there's a church who is so strong that they cannot fall to this? Because sometimes we think, oh, yeah, that that church is so that they they would never fall to this. And and I look historically, I look at Princeton, Yale, Harvard. They were all started and founded on the basis of teaching the truths of Scripture. And they they were they came to college. They became a seminary. And each one of them went liberal. Let's see. Princeton. Princeton denied its uh, in the the 1920s. Um, they denied its doctrine of, of the Bible, biblical inerrancy, that it really is the, the word of God. When newer people, they, they came in, new people came in they, with these new ideas and, and they brought this in and then they denied the scripture. And at that point, from that point on, they changed everything about what Princeton was. I heard Dr. Mark Bailey, um, he was former president of Dallas Theological Seminary. He said uh, a comment about biblical doctrines. He says, I, I want you to know this. If it's true, it's not new. See, these people brought in new ideas and, and it changed the course. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Do you go back to the, the, the old scripture, what it says? Can denominations that used to hold true to, you know, to the faith, can they fall? I mean, you look at denominations across the boards, the Presbyterians that deal with it, the Episcopalians, the, the Baptists deal with it. I mean, you, you, across the board, we've seen it. And earlier in Romans, Paul told us um, in, in Romans twelve nine, he said, abhor what is evil, hate, hate it. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now he says, I want you to be wise in what is good and be innocent in what is evil. Jesus said something very similar. He he said, I'm sending you like sheep to be surrounded by wolves, so be wise as serpent and be as innocent as doves. To be wise in what is good means to recognize it, follow it, be a part of it, let it into your life. But when it comes to evil, he says, I want you to be unexperienced. In it, the Phillips translation, uh, the translator Phillips, he said this uh, This is how he translated. I want to see you experts in good and not even beginners in evil. That, that you see evil thing, you're like, you know, I, I, I don't even want any experience with that. And, and so what we find is that, that Paul, Paul ends this, this uh, exhortation for us and he says, listen. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Um, first thing I notice, it says, well, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I'm like, well, wait a minute, Paul. Uh, you wrote this book of Romans about 2,000 years ago. And using this word soon, is that what that means? The word soon here, it can mean when it happens, it's going to be swift. That it, it's, going to, it's going to be very quick when it happens. But, but listen to what he said. He said, watch out for those who divide. Watch out for those who put stumbling blocks. And then he says, the God of peace will soon crush it. So here, here's the thing. Satan is always looking to do what? Divide. Divide and destroy. And then we see that we have the God of, of peace. The Greek word for peace here. What peace means is to bind together what was once separated. Satan wants to divide. 
God is the God of peace. He wants to bind together that which was once separated. We are called to be a part of this. And what Paul does when he says this statement is he wants us to remember something. He wants us to go all the way back to the beginning, back to what happened in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden in the beginning. I I was reading um, one pastor, Ken Boa. He summarized this well. He said this, uh, Adam and Eve, they were taught the truth. Today, Paul is reminding believers, um, remember the teaching that, that you have learned here in the book of Romans. Remember it. Adam and Eve were taught it. You've been taught it. Adam and Eve, they should have been, they should have kept away from the one who came to tempt them. We're warned. Watch out for those and keep away from them. Watch out for those that that will deceive you and keep away from those who will lead you astray. Uh, Adam and Eve, the one who deceived Adam and Eve, they was not serving God, but he was serving himself. Today, the people who tempt, they're not serving our Lord Jesus Christ. They're serving their own appetites. Adam and Eve, they were deceived by smooth talk. We're warned, beware of smooth talk and flattery. And see, just as God pronounced the ultimate doom on the one who deceived Adam and Eve, Paul repeats this promise and he says, listen, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He wants us to remember what happened then. And it can happen to you. It has happened to you. It has happened to me. You know, the serpent, he set the trap. For Adam and Eve, the, the, the scandal on so that they would take the bait. He, he, he laid it out there, set the trap, and he says, look, look at the food. And if you eat it, you'll be like God. All the things that, that he says. And, and it causes them to sin, to fall away from God and to sever their relationship with God. And listen, we have all been under the penalty of that ever since. We've all felt the ramifications of that ever since. So we also must remember the gospel. He wants us to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let me just go back to, to Matthew 16, just to an event that happened. Same, same word, scandal on. Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And when I go, I'm going to be killed. And then on the Thursday, third day, I'm going to be, I'm going to rise again on the third day. And Peter heard this and it says that he took Jesus aside and he says, Jesus, no, this is not going to happen to you. I'm not, we're not going to allow this to happen to you. And, and Jesus has some of the strongest words that you ever heard. Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but, a thing, but of the things of men. He says, you are an offense to me. Jesus Pete, Peter, you are a scandalon. Your suggestion to avoid the cross is the most offensive thing that you could ever suggest. It is a trap to think that way. Get behind me, Satan. Because the cross is central. It is the core of what we need. It's a, it, this is the thing that redeems us. This is the thing that, that saves us. There's another trap that people have fallen into because of Jesus, another scandal on. The gospel tells us a number of things about Jesus, that he is sinless. He was innocent. He was wise. He was loving. He's wonderful. He, he taught the amazing things. He did the miraculous. And yet at the end of his life, he is beaten and he is placed on a criminal's cross in between other criminals where he died. And then he, he didn't even have his own tomb. He was buried in a tomb. And then three days later, he rose again. This is this is the gospel. And and this is what it it calls us to do by placing our trust in him. By placing your your, your future fate, your, your eternity, by making him this crucified one, making this crucified one your greatest treasure. This is what the gospel says we should do. That we trust in Him, we, we believe in Him. You do that, you are saved from your sins and you become a child of God. And see, this is the stumbling stone message that comes along with this, that's placed before the world. It's almost as if Satan is whispering. You can't put your trust in someone who was crucified like that. It's just a man. 
They're crucified, bled and died. This would never happen to the Messiah. See, the Jews thought of a Messiah that was going to come with great victory and lead them. And they would have a wonderful society that would come. And it says that this is a stumbling block to the Jews. The crucifixion is a stumbling block to them. No, you can only rely on yourselves. You have to earn God's favor, don't you know? And see, this is the stumbling block. And when that thought is, is planted, that seed is planted in the mind of someone, it's as if he's offering the fruit from the tree in the Garden of Eden all again. Saying, don't, don't believe that. Trust me. Don't trust what God says. Trust me. And see, the, here's the thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that has the power to reverse the scandal on of the devil, the obstacles of our faith, the temptations to sin. It's only through growing in our understanding of what Jesus did for us that we grow in discernment. That's how we grow. You understand the gospel more. You understand you're able to discern. You become wise in what is good. You become unexperienced, innocent at what is evil. It's only through Jesus Christ that Satan will be crushed under our feet. And it's not because of what we do. It's because of what he has done for us. Let me try to summarize this. I've got a little more to say, but let me just try to summarize it really quick. Let me just show you an example of what can happen. Jesus talked to the churches in the book of Revelation. There were seven churches, and and to some of them he gave them... um, Commendation. He, to every church, he says, this is the things I commend you about. But then he also says, I have some things I need to criticize you about things that you're doing wrong. And the church of Thyatira, this is one of the things he says. He says in uh, Roman, uh, Revelation 2, uh, 20, but this I have against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practicing sexual immorality, to eat food that is sacrificed to idols. So, Jesus criticized the church for failing to challenge false teaching. And the church tolerated a false teacher, a false teaching, and it led to some believers to engaging in sexual immorality. And, and, and this idea of the word tolerate, it's used in this context. To tolerate, it, it means leave it alone. Just, just leave it alone. Disregard it. Just let it be. The believers in this church, they had an attitude regarding this teaching, regarding what this woman was, was doing, the sexual sin that goes along with it. Just leave it alone. Let's just, just disregard it. Let, let's just let it be. But see, we've got to... We've got to see these things and scope them out and respond in a biblical manner. What should the entire church of Thyatira have done at this time? They should have avoided, shunned the woman that was doing this, never giving her a platform for her smooth speaking. And as a congregation, shun, I'm not even going to do that. As, as a leadership, as elders and pastors, now at this point, we have to shun you and actually remove you take you from this. This is what should have happened. And here's the thing. We cannot, we just can't accommodate sin in our lives. We are, I think that we have just, for whatever reason, we we don't even know that we believe it. We don't even know that we do it, but we accommodate sin in our lives. And one of the ways that it happens is through false teaching. And I don't mean somebody's coming and saying, Jesus, you know, is not who he said. It's not as blatant at that. It's the little lies that we accept, the little lies that we believe. And where does it show up? It shows up in divisions. It shows up when people, um, they refuse to love each other. Where, where they refuse to forgive one another. Um, it's, it happens sometimes when we tolerate things that we know are wrong. But we tolerate it. Because maybe there's a little bit of good that could come out of it. And, and listen... We have to remember that sin is, is a, a kind of cancer and cancer needs to be excised. And if you don't, it grows. And you may not even know it there for a long time, but eventually it gets big enough. And if it gets big enough, it'll kill you. And there are cancers that infiltrate churches and there are cancers that infiltrate individuals. There are cancers that infiltrate our thinking. So, so let me just 
turn it to you and ask you, what is it personally that you need to avoid? As a church, I think it's pretty clear of what we ought to do. What is it personally for you that you need to avoid? What has infiltrated your thoughts? What has infiltrated the things that you do in your habits? That you shouldn't be tolerating. I don't know what that is. But if God is putting something on your mind right now, then you need to take that step and say, okay, God, I'm ready to turn that over to you. I'm ready to do what Paul said and avoid it. I'm ready to put it away. This is what we're called to do as a church. Let me close in prayer and and pray for you all and pray for myself as well in regards to this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, for what you have given to us, how you love us. But I I pray right now that, that, first of all, we would, as a church, that we would see any false teachings or people who cause division. We would be able to see that. We would avoid that. We would deal with it rightly. You would give us discernment as a church. But I also pray we would take this onto a personal level and that we would see it in our own lives. There are things that we're allowing that we shouldn't allow. There are things that we're tolerating that we shouldn't tolerate. And, and Lord, I just ask that you would help us to be bold, to make the decision, to follow Christ, to be a servant of him and to say, I need to stop tolerating this. In my own life. And I pray that you would give us the strength to do that. Lord, I thank you that we don't do this on our own strength. That it's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through you empowering us and you changing us that this will happen. Thank you that you have given us your spirit. That you help us with all this. And I just ask, would you use us to be a changing force in this community for the gospel, for the good news, that people would hear about Jesus and we would see lives changed. We love you, Lord. We thank you for changing us. We pray that you would use us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see you today, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. For those of you watching Super Bowl, have a good time. And we will see you again next week. You are dismissed.